Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I am your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by Captain Westeros himself, Roger Jacob. Yes, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't Thanos raptured, you know, turned turned into dust. You weren't dusted. Dusted. <laughs> uh, guys, welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast, and today we're going to be discussing uh, Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, A Night in the Seven Kingdoms, or of the Seven Kingdoms, actually. Uh, as always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider checking us out on those platforms, and if you do check us out on iTunes, then please leave us a review, it'll help out a lot. Also, by the way, guys, just so you know, um, the, we did do a podcast episode for Episode 1 of Season 8, that's on Preston's channel, I'll leave a link in the description below to his channel, so you can check that out. And, uh, yeah, please consider uh, leaving a comment and uh, questions, whatever. You know the drill. We'll, we'll probably get to it in the next episode. So uh, do, you, do, you, do you think, um, do you think mm. when they made the title they were trying to make a pun? You know? Mm. I, the, uh, like, obviously the title is supposed to refer to Brienne, but is oh, it right, also a like a knight yeah. of the Seven Kingdoms because everybody's spending a night like, mm-hmm. like talking to each other. Do you think do you think that was just like by chance? That's what I was thinking. But then like, you know, like some 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 guy in the comment section called me out because I thought I thought the title of the episode was A Knight in the Seven Kingdoms. I was wrong. It's a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, which mm-hmm. is also a play. Uh, so this is the, this is the one of the major callbacks in this episode. Uh, Knight of Seven Kingdoms, isn't that also one of the sh- stories of Duncan Egg? So it's the collection. So mm. so when we um when when they take the, there there are three Duncan Egg stories that George R. R. Martin has written, uh, <clears throat> the Hedge Knight, the Sworn Sword, the Sworn Sword, and the uh, the Mystery Knight, and he collected them into a book called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, um, and <clears throat> of course <clears throat> there's there's a connection between. Um, Dunk and Brienne. Like uh, I guess it was eventually announced that he he spilled the beans that Brienne is a descendant of Dunk. Wait, he but... did spill the beans. That's confirmed because he's always alluding to it. He said he yeah. like whenever anybody asks him, and he always says like I'll answer that in the future installments. I I I mean I'll have to check the quote, but and then again, like you know, like I said, George R. R. Martin says all sorts of stuff, so uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not exactly like. Uh, um, you know, it's not 100% confirmed, but, you know, it seems like something that would be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of parallels between between um, she and him. So, like, you know, it's for instance, she gets her, her, her uh, uh, shield repainted just like, just like Dunk does and all sorts of things, you know. So, Preston... I don't know about you, but I really like the episode. I gave the first episode a 7.5. I would give this one an 8, a solid 8. What did you think? Well, still from uh, 1 to 10. I would go the, the other way. I was not a fan of this episode. Mm. Um, I would give it a lower lower rating down in the down in the 6. Down um, in the 6? You're out of your yeah. mind. You're out of your mind. How could you? This episode was so... I will say the last third of it was beautiful. And I understand what a lot of people were saying about it feeling like this episode... Like, the first third of the episode really felt like it was DLC for episode one. Now, for those of you in the in the, the audience who aren't gamers, uh, DLC is essentially like um, when you buy a video game, sometimes they'll try to sell you shit for the game. It's kind of like going to, to a burger place, buying a burger, and then them trying to sell you, like, extra for the lettuce, tomato, and pickles and all that stuff, when it really should be on the burger. Kind of like that. Like, this really felt like 
the first third, especially Jamie's trial, really felt like it should have been in episode one. So I get that. But the last third of the episode was also so beautiful. I loved it. Just them hanging out, so good. You, you know, why would you give it a six? Um, I, I didn't. I felt it was a lot of wheel spinning, and I, I thought a lot of the conversations, um, you know, just. I was annoyed at, at how much history they were getting wrong. Like they were, everybody, everybody was addressing and talking about the wrong things, you mm. know. They're, and so it, I don't know. It 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 didn't do anything for me. Like they were trying to they're trying to build into this. They're trying to make everything seem nostalgic, you know. Like like I felt like this was in in many ways a last episode because um, they were you know, and they're trying to they're they're bringing nostalgia for something that that was never there you know there were no there weren't any good times they're not referencing back to any good times and yet it feels like they're trying to reference back to good times like these are old friends all hanging out together well actually these characters don't even know each other you know <laughs> in comparison to simpler times i i think what they should have really honed in was it was it, and i think they did hone this and it was a much simpler time back then you know back when when everybody hated Tyrion because he was a part of the Lannisters and he was a dwarf, not because, you know, he's siding with Daenerys. And, you know, back when Jaime had Cersei's love and that's all that really mattered, that was simpler. It's easier to love a woman than it is to, like, betray her for her rival and, like, so on. Like, it's, it, I mean, I, I, don't, like... I don't get it. I don't get how, how they, you know, he even says, oh, by comparison, it was a simpler time. No, it wasn't. Like, first season... Jamie pushed somebody out of a window in the first episode. Zombies attacked and killed people in the first episode. Like, Tyrion was upset about being uh, a drunken, unloved, you know, guy who, who has problems with his father because his father, like, made him participate in a gang rape of his, of his, of his wife in the first, you know, episode and first season because, you know, he, he reveals it. I, I think what he's on. talking. I think I think him, Jamie push. I think what Jamie says that I think it's before he pushed Bran. I think it's before they all came to Winterfell for the first time. So that's probably what he's referring to. But but let's get right. into it. Let's get into the whole thing. So Jamie's trial. Um, what were your problems with Jamie's trial? Because I thought it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, you were having a problem with history. Well, why why didn't they bring up the the Mad King and and the wildfire and and his motivation for that was my that. issue. Yeah, yeah, you know? I liked it, but like you're right about that. Like there are certain, it it comes back to that one situation where <laughs> Tony Stark and Captain America would never have had to fight each other had they just sat down in a room for more than five minutes and hatched it out. Same with this situation yeah. here. Like, Danny would not be as pissed off at Jamie if he just repeated what he said to Brienne back in season three when they were in the baths. Yeah. Right. And the other, the other, the other problem is they kind of blew their load last season by having everybody meet in the dragon pit. Like, Danny's already come face to face with the man that killed her father. She did in the dragon pit. So... No, actually, she yeah. did before that. I don't think she knew that. Remember, J Jamie charged at her with a lance. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Which they You're didn't right. bring up as well. They didn't bring up as well. So they, they kind of blew their load last season by, by having this, this, oh, my God, they're finally going to meet. Well, they actually have, they've already met like twice before. Um, and then all the things that, you know, you really think they're going to get into the, the dark side of history and like resolve some things. And then they just kind of gloss over it. He says, you know, Jamie says things like, like, Oh, well, you know, I did it for my family and I wouldn't change anything. You wouldn't change anything. Like, I thought, like, Jamie's whole plot is a redemption arc where he 
where he becomes a different, better person. And now he's saying he's going to do everything exactly the same. So I, I think you're, uh, this is the, the problem you're having. I think you're trying to compare this Jamie to book Jamie because in the books, Jamie's redemption arc is much better. In fact, isn't there a moment in the books where Cersei calls for help after the High Sparrow has imprisoned her and he just burns the letter? Yes. Right. So that that's that that was planned to be like a yeah, fuck you, Cersei moment for Jamie, and we never got that in the show. The only fuck you moment we ever got for Jamie in the show was at the end of season 7 when he looks back at King's Landing and he just leaves her. Actually not even that. In the same in the, in the finale of season 7 where he like he's trying to leave and the mountain blocks his path and he's wondering whether or not Cersei's going to order his execution then and there. That was supposed to be a fuck you moment, but I felt the books did it better. So you're right. But at the end of the day, for what it was, it wasn't bad. He wouldn't, he wouldn't change. When, when, I, when, it, when I think Jamie, when, when Jamie says I, I would do it all over again, I think what he meant was he would fight for his family all over again. He wouldn't like. He'd brazenly kill Jory Cassell for no reason on the streets of King's Landing again. You know, <laughs> like I'd stab Jory Cassell in the eye and kill him all over again for no reason. Yeah, it was just. Uh, it was just all weird. And then all of the freaking praise of Tyrion was so annoying. Everybody, over and over, there's honestly a third of the episode is dedicated to, to saying Tyrion is this wonderful guy that, that's so smart and needs to be protected. He's the brain trust. It was just so, uh, I don't know. It, it, just, it was a lot of little things like that that just built up and built up and just pissed me off. Well, like, I, I keep thinking that your your main issue here is you, you keep going back and comparing Tyrion in the show to Tyrion in the books. Tyrion in the show never raped that woman in Essos when he threw up on her. <laughs> so. No, I'm, but I'm talking about like Tyrion being a horrible, horrible hand for Danny. Yeah, like, that, that is he's true. He's dreadful. And yet still everybody's like, oh, you know... Uh, he, He's so smart. The way Tyrion's mind works. Like, what are you talking about? I blame Dave and Dan for that. I, I sincerely blame... Like, and, uh, yeah. he's, he's never had that moment he had in season two where he was tricking the small council. Remember that moment? Yeah. Like, yeah. that was great. Like, just show, like, show don't tell is, is, is the idea. Like, they, like, everybody's saying Tyrion's smart, but it, give me a piece of evidence that, to show me that Tyrion's smart. You know, I, I don't have one. Besides him building a, a saddle in season one, somebody pointed out to me that he didn't even build the chain in the in the in the show, and I was like, "Oh right, there was no chain in season two so, during the Battle of the Blackwater." Yeah, back, yeah, so he just he just he built a saddle. Mm-hmm. That was pretty smart, <laughs> you know. Like that's it. That's isn't that did that happen in the books? I don't remember that part. Uh, building the saddle for Bran, I, I I think so. I don't remember that part, but I mean, I feel as though. Well, well, ever yeah, since Tyrion yeah. showed up and he said to Danny, "I'm the gift," you haven't really been the gift. I mean, you haven't really been doing much. Remember him in season six, how he was absolutely useless for most of that. He was supposed to yeah. run Marine, and he just sat around with uh, Missande and Grey Worm, killing time, actually killing time on screen. So the praising of Tyrion, I, I just can't help but feel bad for him because he is trying. But at the same time, you do have a point. Like, it's... He's not a great Hand of the King, or Hand of the Queen, for that matter. But uh, Jamie's trial, for what it was, I did like it. I did like that Bran's one-liner, the things we do for love. And then the look on his face, yo. Sure, sure. No, no, sure. But, you know, they, they, but they did kind of... 
they did just kind of do that again, right? Like, wasn't that the same thing as the, what he did to two, what he did to uh, Littlefinger? Mm-hmm. Like, you go, oh, he's just gonna throw out random lines that are gonna make people uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know. So you didn't like the trial. You thought that they, there could have been more discussed. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was over way too quickly. I thought mm-hmm. they glossed over the the important issues, and and I don't know. It came to resolution just a little too easily. And just not in a way that I thought that that was satisfying for for either Daenerys's character or Jamie's character. I have I, to, I have to agree with you for some extent, but for what it was, I mean, it, for me it was okay. Um, I do agree with you 100% on the fact that they could have discussed the whole Mad King thing and why he did kill the Mad King. I felt if this was George writing this, that would have been brought up in a much more brutal way. Um, yeah. So so afterwards, Jamie goes and meets up with Bran, and he says something uh, to Jamie about. How do you know there will be an afterwards? So it really hones in my whole idea of there being a time reset. Right. I mean, it, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I can understand, like, like Jamie going to him and saying, "This none of this makes sense. Why did you save me?" Well, it's all part of you know the master plan, the brand time travel master plan, um, which, which you know, I, 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 I'm fine. I'm actually fine with with Jamie's discussion with 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 Bran mm-hmm. at the tree. Um, you know, yeah, and and it does seem it does seem interesting that he didn't call him out on 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 the uh, falling from the on, on pushing him out the window. And mm. what did you say about the uh, location here? So in the first season, the very first time we ever see Ned Stark, he's in the Godswood, and he is polishing his sword in front of the pond. And I remember that there's a pond because I actually saw the first episode commentary where. They say that the water, the water in the pond is not water; it was ink because ink reflects better, or oil, huh. oil, oil, or ink. I forgot which one, but it, it was not water because the water wasn't reflecting the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be. I, I guess in the book, there's these thermal pools that um, are all around, uh, and so you people actually go swimming in it, and the and the water is actually warm. Um, and I think uh, Hodor goes swimming in these pools. I, guess it's in i forget if it's the end of season one or the beginning of season two but um and you know but uh in the books um they play they play lord of the crossing over them uh, they put down like a big log and then the um the fray boys like uh and everybody uh, play play their game and toss everybody into the water and everybody loves it um but yeah, so they had the they had the thermal pool in the first season, and then all of a sudden it just kind of uh, vanishes, or at least it's gone by, by at least by the wedding. I forget if when when Lewin dies, if it's there. Um, I have to check. I'd have to check. I'd have to rewatch the uh, the episode. But somebody just pointed it out to me in one of my comments, and I was like, oh my god, he's right. Like. Like what happened to the thermal pools? And then somebody said that at the beginning, when when you do the the flyover for Winterfell, the pool is there. So I don't know. Is it? So I don't. Is it? I don't. I don't uh, think it uh, is. I don't know because you pointed it out in your video. I'm like, hey, yeah. I, I was gonna say maybe it froze over. Let's see here. Um, no, there's a pool. No, there's definitely a thermal pool in the flyover. Uh, 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 for the uh, in the opening, yeah, no, it's there. Um, it's just not there when people go out and walk walk out to it. 
And the people are like, well, maybe it froze over. And I was like, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, if, if it's a thermal pool, it's, it's not going to freeze. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And so what did you think of the whole brand, that small brief brand Jamie, Jamie scene? Yeah, no, that was fine. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wished um, Jamie became a little more indebted to Bran, you know, or, or, or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that, that Bran had a little control over him or something. Um, maybe, maybe saying, well, you know, you, you got to do what I say or else I'm going to reveal this information or something. <laughs> you know, some, something a little more edgy than, oh, yeah, you know, you're off the hook. You know, go go enjoy yourself, because <laughs> um, it does seem like Jamie just got away with everything. Well, I, I like I said, I I really enjoyed Jamie this episode. I don't know why he he just really had a he just really had all the right beats for me. The, the trial aside, with the, with those mistakes, not mentioning the Mad King or bringing, I was actually watching it. I was wait for the first time. I was waiting for it, that to come up. I'm surprised it didn't. Because because somebody specifically asked me like how is Jamie how, like they're like come on like you know how is Jamie like how is how is this plot armor gonna get him out of this one right like there's so many things waiting for him and so you know and I remember my answer being well we aren't sure who knows about Bran's um, uh, window situation so Bran could spare Jamie and that's what we saw and then. I specifically said, well, if I were going to get out of the, the, the you killed my father thing, I would, I would have to bring up the fact that, that he was going to burn down King's Landing and Varys can vouch for me because Varys is, is, is around there and knows this stuff too. Right. Could have given him something to do. I feel bad for Varys because Varys has, I don't know why the actor is even there or the character is still there. I mean, Varys and Tyrion are the, one of the two main guys you need to have in this team and they've barely given Varys anything to do besides looking around. Doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, considering that this is a guy who orchestrated a, ma- a master plan to to bring about the War of the Five Kings in order for Danny to be able to invade. I mean, this is the level that he's at, right? Like, wait, 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 wait. Littlefinger is the one that kind of started it, right? Well, that's the thing is is both Littlefinger and and Varys um, were both trying to. Uh, uh, pit the Starks and the Lannisters against each other in order to start a civil war. However, because Khal Drogo was was um, delaying, Varys wants to slow everything down, and that's the only thing. So Littlefinger's trying to go fast, 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 and Varys is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. like I want to get to the same place, but you're going too fast." But yeah, no, I mean he he meets with Illyrio in season one, and they talk about how they're 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 orchestrating this whole this whole plan that they they want they want a civil war, they just don't want a civil war now. Um, but yeah, I mean lar- largely this Varys's like manipulation has to do with um, the Sir the death of Sir Hugh. So during the during the the um, the hands tourney, Sir Hugh happens to die. Uh, because he's just not he's not prepared and he, and he gets he gets killed by the mountain and so Varys uses that uh, ta- that death that, uh, that random and untimely death to be like you know what he was murdered and so Ned completely thinks that Cersei told the mountain to murder Sir Hugh in order to cover up John Aaron's murder right 
But all of that was a lie. Varys made that all up in order to pit Ned against Cersei. I mean, it could be that Var- Varys uh, didn't uh, also was convinced that the Lannisters were somehow behind it. I mean, you know, because Littlefinger. Like, the reason I point to Littlefinger is because he's the one that told Catelyn that the dagger was Tyrion's. Oh yeah, I mean, he was trying to get there too. You know, he's the one that sent the letter um, up to, to that that directly said that oh, John Aaron was murdered mm-hmm. by the Lannisters. He had Lysa send it. Completely lying, mm-hmm. you know, because because we all, you know, the 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 real the real issue is that. You know, there was the, well, you know, you got to get mix some book and show kind of stuff. But, but was the fostering of Sweet Robin. They were trying to take Sweet Robin away. And so Lysa had a motive, didn't know what to do. And so Littlefinger says, well, why don't you kill John Aaron? In the, in the show, they just, they switch it to, oh, we can be together if you kill John Aaron. And quite frankly, I think the show, we're, we're way off, by the way, we're going to get back to yeah, it. Yeah. I think the show did it better because... Lysa did want to be with Littlefinger. She was obsessed with him. And yeah. therefore, that makes more sense. And honestly, if you if you really think about it, even though Lysa is crazy, both book and show, um, the idea of have of the idea um, for the first show adaptation, the idea of having John Aaron killed just because they're gonna foster Sweet Robin with either Tywin or Stannis is kind of ridiculous yeah. if you think about it. <laughs> well, I mean it was this all this paranoia about like coming war and he needed, you know, I think he was trying, uh, George R. R. Martin was trying to establish um, something to do with, like, warding and things like that. And warding be this, being this really important thing um, that, that's, you know, that's not as important later on. But, like, but like in the first book and second book, like, the warding of Theon and the warding of Sweet Robin are these incredibly important events. Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, he keeps, he keeps going with it later with, with, you know, the warding of Quentin and things like that being very important. But, you know, um, it's, it's, it's like this essential part of life, uh, you know, as on, on par with like marriage, mm-hmm. like warding, considering that like the, the war of the five, ki- uh, the, the Roberts rebellions, like alliance was, was a Ned Robert, like warding bond. Yeah. John, you know, a John Aaron, Ned, you know, um, Robert warding bond, you know, so you know, he's establishing all of the stuff, the importance of warding. Damn, we went way off. We I went know. Way. Let's it, get back. Cool. Let's get back. It's cool. It's cool. It's whatever. Um, but yeah, ja- after after Jamie and Brienne, we get Jamie and Tyrion, and then Jamie and Brienne, which once again I liked. I was I was I was a huge fan of those scenes. I also liked the callback to how Tyrion wants to die at the ripe age of eighty, his belly full of wine, and the girl's mouth around his cock. <laughs> I love that motherfucker. I love him so much. I don't know why. I always love that scene, especially because you it, love the t-shirt slogans. I man. love the t-shirt slogans. I don't think you can put that on a t-shirt. Like holy sh! I, it's in, it's in the first season when he's leave when he leaves the veil with Bronn and they come across Shaga and the Mountain Clans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, how do you want to die? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love it. But um, yeah. Your thoughts on on Jamie wanting to serve under Brienne, even though I assume he outranks her. I, 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 no, I, I mean, I, I don't think he outranks her just in the sense that, you know, he's now on the bottom, right? Right. But I also at the same San, time. Because Sansa's the Lady of Winterfell, so, and John, 
I guess is I guess they made so they they somehow established that John is now warden of the north. Yes. Like that's the title they're gonna give him. Mm-hmm. Like okay, well, we don't know what war. Even in the books, we're not sure what warden of 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 the north or warden of the east or any of these titles means. You know, um, some people say, well, it means you're in charge of like the armies, and you're like, does it? You know, like <laughs> no one really knows. But um, you know, it does seem that he's the general. He's the military general while Sansa is the one doing the logistics of the castle, while Danny is going around having conversations about Tyrion. I don't know. But, but, the, uh, but yeah, he seems to be in charge of the army. So it, it would be whatever John thinks where he should be. Right. And so, but why would he... Because in a preview, we saw him there with Brienne when she's like, Stand your ground! But why is he on the front lines? He has no fighting ability with with his golden hand. Like he's fucking useless. He's be, he would be better like commanding troops, maybe on the front lines, but behind the front lines. Like not. Why? Why, why is anyone on the front lines? They have a castle, but <laughs> this is true. <laughs> a, yeah, but um, yeah. No, I guess I guess you know you know how it is. You know, I was thinking about this when when we got to the map room scene about who gets to be in the map room. So there was a young there was a young woman in there. I don't know who she, did you notice her? Like I saw her three times. I noticed her. Like Alice Carstark. Was that Carstark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is she there? Like if you look on the map with the stones and all that, they have the Vale Forces are there. Okay, Stark. Mm-hmm. I think I saw Unsullied like helmets, and I think the Dorthraki are in there somewhere. There are no Carstark yeah. guys. Are the Carstark lumped uh, in with the Starks? I I don't know. Um, I guess they're just lumped in with the Northern. Uh, uh, forces. No, I I went I went through and I, I and I noted every single person in the room. Mm-hmm, go ahead. So so um, obviously you know like everybody you can think like main character wise is there, you know. And I'm saying Varys is there, Theon is there, um, Brienne is there, Sansa is there, Arya is there mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> you know, like every, every everybody's there now. Now the like the the non main characters who are there. Um, the, the the main Dothraki dude who has become like Quono, Danny's... I think his name is Quono. Oh really? What all, all I know is he's the guy that when they capture Danny, he's making jokes about her, but he's not killed. He's not the one that's killed later on. No, he, I think he's one of the lieutenants of the guy that is killed. Yeah, yeah. So he um like he's not one of the cows, but he's like like when when they first arrive, they have like the two guys have this this conversation about, I think about Danny's pubic hair or something. And one of those guys is murdered by Jorah in the street. And that, and then the other one becomes like Danny's like main go to like Dothraki dude. Right. So like whenever she has a, whenever she has a random scene where the Dothraki show up, like he's the one that comes forward to like represent the Dothraki. Mm -hmm. He's in the back of the room. So you can kind of see him like, in the back, Alice Karstark is there. Lyanna Mormont's there. Of course. Um, uh, Bronzeon Royce is there. Oh, of course. Um, and but other than that, like none of the Northern Lords are there. Like none of the ones that that you know, Lyanna insults right before she uh, she declares John King of the North. Like none. Of, like so, I don't know who's commanding them. I guess Lyanna or Alice Karstark, you know, or Brienne. They just ha- you know hand over their forces to to them, but they were not in the room, mm-hmm. as far as I could tell. 
And then Bronzion is, I guess, representing the entire Vale or something. I'm surprised the Vale forces don't have that many people with them. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Is it? It should be considering that they are after Danny's forces. Because so, without a doubt, the number one force there should be the Dothraki. Yes. There should be more Dothraki than anything. And then after that, I would say um, it should be the Vale forces. But we're not we're not quite sure because we're getting varying numbers on the Vale forces. But it's a yeah, it's a rep. But it should be it's they they should number around ten thousand, mm-hmm. and then the the, the the unsullied are you know in the thousands as well. So, and then after that you've got everybody else who who have who have nobody like Liana Liana Mormon had has what like five people. She had like a hundred people at uh, during the beginning of the battle the beginning of the battle of the bastards, and then I think the battle went down and she lost quite a few, and she let's say she has fifty. Right, so it's like somehow a woman who has 50 gets to be in the room, but all of these Vale Lords who, who are controlling thousands, or, or, or you know, all of these, uh, um, or even, you know, I guess Alice Karstark's in there, but, but say uh, Wyman Manderley. Like, Wyman Manderley would have, he didn't show up to the Battle of the Bastards, so he should have, like, more forces. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's not in the room, but but whatever. They, they, they don't base it on that. They base it on, is this a character that the, the audience knows? Right. So. And I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because only book people are really looking for this, like you and me included, because I was wondering, who the fuck is that? If, if that's Karstark, where are her troops? Why aren't her troops, like, actually highlighted? But, I, but you could also argue that, you know, everybody is under the Stark banner who's in the North. So yeah. I would also argue that the Northern Lords are in their own keeps and they've sent enough men to hold, to help out Winterfell, but at the same time keep order in their own holds? Yeah, I mean, I guess they don't... I mean, logically speaking, they don't need to be there, right? Right. You know? Um, for honor's sake, like, a lot of people go. Like, like in the War of the Five Kings, like, for honor's sake, these people would go. Um, you know, and sometimes to command their own forces, sometimes not. But... Eventually, to command their own forces like, in a foreign land. They went with Rob yeah. south, but this is the battle in the north. Right. But even, even, but, but now you're down to like, there's one family member left. Like the entire house is, is like, you know, the entire house is based on like one person left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe they're being a little more conservative. Well, to be fair, the only people, to be fair to Alex Karstark being there, since I just ragged on her, um, the car car hold is further up north, and as we've seen with uh, Last Hearth, further up north is kind of like no man's zone at this point. Oh yeah, dangerous. So area, right? yeah, like ever, like like uh, you mentioned Manderley. Manderley, what what's that? Um, what's what's his hold? White White Harbor. White Harbor is a little little more south. So eh. And he should he should have the escape route. Like should they need to retreat, they should go they should go to out Manderley's to by ship or whatever. Uh, they probably. Who knows what they'll do, but... They'll probably... Yara, I'm sure Yara's gonna come in at the very last second to help them out, try to get them to escape. But, um... So, we did skip uh, all the way to the war room scene, but I will say, I did like the war room scene. I do like that we're actually fucking seeing battle positions being laid out. I, this is something I've wanted to see since Season 2 with Rob. We kind of saw a bit of it in Season 1 when Rob went against Tywin for the first time. Hmm. But, uh, I do like it. And it's also, I think, the first time we've ever seen... This many, well, what's left of them, main main characters in a room together. 
ever. Yeah, it was it was crowded. It was crowded. It really looks the, the, crowded. The de- <laughs> some people some people definitely need to be killed off. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, I mean, I just look look. I, I think that every secondary character is going to be killed off, and I think well, the primary characters are. Not. Well, we discussed this in the pregame. Like like I feel like like some of the characters that will be killed off is Grey Worm. Because have you ever seen that Schwarzenegger movie where he has the best lines? He goes, "Remember when I said I killed you, la- kill you last? I lied." You know what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about? You know which one that is? Commando. Commando. So in Commando, the general comes to Schwarzenegger and he says, uh, "Don't worry, you'll be protected. I put some of my my two of my finest guys here. They're a few days from retirement." <laughs> and then they die in the next scene. I feel like Grey Worm is going to die based on that logic from Commando, where he's already making retirement plans with Masande. That is the total number one like hint that you're you are good as gone. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's I do remember um god, what I I forget if it's a Lethal Weapon 2 where where uh Mel Gibson is joined by some kid and he's like, "Oh, today's my birthday." And he's like, really? How old are you? And he's like, 21 or 22 or something. And he's like, great. And then, of course, then he gets shot. And Mel Gibson's just like, well, happy birthday. Oh, jeez. You know? Yeah, like <laughs> like anything to make it sad. Right, right. You know? So who? So based on that, <clears throat> which characters here are good as gone based on the fact that they're either going into retirement after this fight or they just have no more story left? I would say Varys. Varys is definitely done because, I mean, what is there left for him to do? He's completed his entire mission, which is Targaryen restoration. He's kind of completed it. Like, he got Danny to Westeros, which was his plan, right? And who else is left? Well, uh, looking here, Theon. Theon has has had his redemption arc. Yeah, but Theon, one could, first, I think Theon is is too big of a character to kill yet. Mm. I think that he still needs to go up against Euron. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Unless they're going to, like, you know, kill him off and make that a Yara plot. But but I do think that he needs to, like, you know, go up against um, Euron. And I I still think he's too big of a character to kill off yet. Um, I think they're really going to delay it. So I think that Grey Worm, I think Varys... I think I think um Tormund? I I think Tormund Barrick uh Barrick. Both, uh, definitely definitely Barrick. Barrick and the Hound really have kind of outlived their usefulness. Bar- I feel like Barrick Right, but the Hound the Hound they're saving for freaking Clegane Ball. Right, good so point. So you can't kill the Hound. Not but yet. You definitely like so 100% dying is Barrick. Barrick is 100% dead. I would say that like 95% sure that Grey Worm's dead. Ninety-five. I, I would. S- I would. I would bet I, on that. Yeah, I would put eighty-five percent for Varys. Um, I then then going down into the 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 other. I would say that I'm putting fifty-fifty on Jorah. Jorah. We we discussed this in the pregame. Jorah is is most definitely going to die this season because there is nothing left for this character to do, but yeah. die. I think. I think Podrick. Podrick is, is also it, a good one, yeah. I think Podrick's going to die. Um, I mean, obviously, like, Bronzion, you know, probably even Leanna Mormont. Uh, you know, may, well, the, the audience loves Leanna Mormont so much, or they think the audience loves mm-hmm. Leanna Mormont so much, you know. I don't know if they actually have these, these you know, test reactions, or they're just like, oh, yeah, right? we, just know that, we just know that the audience loves Leanna Mormont, so we're just going to have her come back over and over mm-hmm. again, because... 
Well, know. she can come back over and over again as a white. Oh no! Oh oh! Whoa. <laughs> I that's that, that's another discussion I wanted to have actually hmm. about um uh so you know the Azora High prophecy. Go ahead. And how you ha- and how it's about like how Azora High has to plunge a sword into the heart of like the woman he loves, Nisa Nisa. Go ahead. So I mean, what if he has to plunge the sword into the undead, you know, Nisa Nisa, like you know? Hmm. And who's gonna do this? I'm plunging. Oh, you know, or you know, whatever. Maybe. I mean, if they really wanted to shock us, they'd kill Danny and bring her back as a white, and then and then and riding her, her her undead dragon. But I don't know if they're gonna be that bold. Someone was saying like like, is it possible for Valyrians to even be? Uh, brought back because you know they 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 do have a bit of magic in them, somewhat. And would that would that Night King ability work on them? If a dragon can comes back, can come back, everybody can come back. Mm, that's a good point. You know. Oh, but I wanted to ask. By the way, um, do you think do you think that they're going to forget that they have undead giants, or do you think undead giants are coming? I think we don't have enough <laughs> in the budget for that. I don't know. That would be fucking <laughs> cool. But we we already saw them. But what's funny is if they're not in the battle, you're like, what happened to them? Yeah, didn't did wasn't there like a scene last season? I think early on where they were showing the army of the dead, and we did see giants. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. We're not getting spiders, that, by the way. We 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 saw, we saw the undead giants, and but then later when they were they were on their freaking island of convenience, there was no giants. So. Well, if there were giants on that while they're on that island of convenience, the everyone would be bitching. Well, why did the giants just pick up large rocks and throw it at them? So, right, yeah, they'd be like, why are the giants breaking through the the, the ice? They're heavy. Actually, I was gonna ask you this: Can besides the Night King and his amazing javelin throwing skills, can the 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 whites shoot arrows, or are they just like they're all carrying those javelins? So in the last scene, so I I assume that everybody's got good javelin abilities. What, no, the White Walkers are carrying the javelins. Oh, Whites. Mm-hmm. Wait, the Whites were carrying the javelins? No, no, they were all White Walkers. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never seen a White... I've never seen a White use a melee weapon. You know? We've only seen them, like, with swords. Well, they just kind of run at everybody, like, via the, uh... The, um... Uh, what's that? Uh, Dawn of the Dead style zombies, like the most recent one from yeah. 20, uh, 2004. They all just kind of run at everybody, all crazy like. So overwhelming with numbers is like their main strategy. But um, right, right, right. So um, yeah, I think I think I think Jorah's dead. I think Jorah Jorah is definitely like. There's nothing left for him to do though. I feel like Davos is something left for Davos to do, but yeah, Davos Davos could be killed too, unless you know, unless they need him. I'd say, yeah, I'd say 50-50 on Davos. I think, you know, Daenerys' assistant, or Dothraki assistant, dead. Like, it's just, you know, all these extra people, we can just start killing them off. You know? (laughs) Well, Preston, we did overshoot a little. Um, We we were supposed to talk about the scene with uh, Jorah and Danny, then Jorah and and then Sansa and Danny. So Jorah convinces Danny to uh, go easy on Tyrion. And she finally accepts his advice because, you know, Jorah is her mo- most trusted advisor. And then Sansa goes downstairs and talks to, uh, well, no, Danny goes downstairs and talks to Sansa. 
and they have a nice little conversation on, on, on Jorah's on Jorah's request for some reason. Right, and they have a nice as if Jorah has Jorah ever talked to Sansa in his life. I don't think so. That's, no, <laughs> and they have a nice little conversation. I did like that bit about you know John's the other guy or love uh, uh, admired and all that, and she goes, "Who's the first one?" He's he's much taller. Like, oh, it's a Cal Drogo. Oh, that's that was cute. Yeah, I guess he was referring to Cal Drogo, but you know. It's funny, though, because, uh, I mean, I guess it works with Cal Drogo. I was wondering if, like, at the, when she said it, I was like, is she referring to Jorah or is she referring to Cal Drogo? But I guess she was referring to I thought it was Cal Drogo. Uh, Cal Drogo. But um, you, you made a... Because he's so tall. You made a point. Sansa makes no sense because you, you, put, up, you put up a clip from the first season where... Great John Umber de- uh, declares Rob king in the north, and he, you made a. He did say like the dragons were the ones we bowed to, and now the dragons are dead. Dragons are right yeah. here. So what's? You could also argue that Sansa wasn't there for that scene. She wasn't. She wasn't there. Yeah, that would be the argument that she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Though she does weirdly say, "Oh, we said we'd never bow again." She might just be pulling stuff out of her ass, right? You know, like like the. I rewatched the the Lyanna Mormont declaration scene, mm-hmm. and kingship comes out of nowhere. She she essentially just um, references herself, you know. So she's like, she's like, we believe that there's no king in the north, and their name is Stark. And then she refers back to it. You know, she sent that letter, and then she refers back to that letter. Right. Everybody else in the room must be like, "What the hell is she talking about?" Because we we didn't le- we didn't we didn't read that letter. The only people that read that letter are Stannis and John. But she starts, you know, saying like, you know. Well, she was saying it for the audience because the audience read that letter. Come on. Preston. Right, right. The audience did right, but the um, but you know, Lyanna Mormon doesn't really have much logic for declaring John King of the North, but um, she does. Like unlike Great John, Great John Umber, who has who has a logic. His logic being, we bowed for we bowed to the dragons, and the dragons are dead, so, um, and so we should really be independent. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lyanna Mormont doesn't really have it. She's just like, well, we know no king other than a Stark, the king. Uh, yeah, the king of the North, whose whose name is Stark. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that though, ever since the War of Five Kings began, and they declared Rob king of the North, that was like. Because the North, the North has always been unruly. Like Stannis even says it to John in that same scene where he had Lyanna's letter, and the North, you can all, you can kind of tell that they've always wanted to do their own thing. But I always feel like they never did because either the Targaryens were there or Ned was in charge, and Ned is good friends with Robert, so therefore, blah 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 blah. Um, I think what Sansa's trying to say here is that they want to go back to being independent, like they declared several years ago. But I don't know how. I don't think she's thought this out. How does an independent North work? With the rest of Westeros, like how does that even go about? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is sometimes they touch on these things and it doesn't, um, you know, the logistics aren't there. Um, because it could work instance, though, if you think about it. Dorne kind of has a similar thing going on. Like Dorne is like, even though it's a part of Westeros, they're all they're also their own thing. Right, um, and and this this actually came up with Renly. So so Renly and Rob's peace agreement was or or um, it would have been well, it would have been we weren't really like Catelyn kind of agrees to it without knowing if Rob would agree to it right, um, which was essentially you have to pay fealty to Renly though Renly will let you keep the title king even though you're not really a king you know like that was Renly's deal 
Like you still have to be feel you still have to do have your fealty to 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 this the 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 Iron King you know the Iron Throne, but you can call yourself king as a title. So you know that was the so who knows maybe something similar, but um you know we we have no idea if Rob or or his Bannerman would have accepted that, but Catalan seems to accept it as like you know because she's trying to do whatever she can for peace you know and to win so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe that kind of situation would work where, but it's all about taxes, right? <laughs> oh, ultimately it comes down to taxes and making sure things in the North are all, because everything in the North is normally quiet. Almost nothing really happens in the North. If you really think about it, most of the, the realm's problems usually happen down South. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. Historic, like during the 300 years, um, of Targaryen rule that we kind of know about, um, of unity, yeah, most of the problems most of the problems were were in Dorne, <laughs> and then well, the Black most Fire of the Rebellion. problems were in Dorne, or they either came from the Targaryens being in power and getting a little too antsy with everything. Right, and 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 the and yeah, the Targaryens pro- causing problems amongst themselves. If any know. rebellions did come uh, did come out, if there were any like major disputes, it was either the Ironborn trying to raid everybody again, or that one yeah. time House Aaron started a rebellion, and you know, like that one time uh, House Baratheon did this, this, and this. But it's mostly been Targaryens. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. I mean, you're you're right that there are other problems, like there, like the Faith of the Seven causes its issues. Um, the Targaryens cause their issues amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, vulture, but you know, but when you're talking about like the Dornish and their vulture kings and and their wars was probably the main thing. But you're right that the the North really keeps to themselves. Is, it's it there. It's not that there hasn't historically been problems in the North, but his, but much less so than 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 the other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that Danny scene, Danny and Sansa, that quickly changes. Like you see, and we see this later on when when Danny has a conversation with John in the crypts. She's really geared towards this whole like being queen of the Seven Kingdoms. And quite frankly, I don't blame her. A lot of people are getting on her case by saying like the most shocking thing she heard all day was that there might be someone who has a claim to the Iron Throne. Now that now that she's been fucking her yeah. nephew. No, 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 no. There might be someone in the claimer throne. And I got to defend Danny on this. Like, when you, your entire life, you've been tailored to want this one thing. That's what you need to have. It's what you have. It's what you got to have. It's what's owed to you. I mean, it's almost like indoctrination in a sense, right? Well, I mean, that's all Viserys did, right? That was his entire life mm-hmm. um, and, and everything he talked about for years and years and years. Realistically, I don't think a, a human being could possibly, uh, you know, uh, it could could get over it that quickly, so it's completely understandable that Danny, you know, wants the Iron Throne. Like it's her, it's her raison d'être, you know, her 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 reason for being, you know. So it's uh yeah, like Sansa's attachment to independence is a little weirder. It know? is because it was never it was never her idea, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't give her any more power. You know, unless they plan on demoting John back to to Lord, like she's she's Lady of Winterfell, she stays Lady of Winterfell. Um, you know, John, who knows what he is? You know, Warden of the North. Um, so whether she's under the Seven Kingdoms or whether she's under the North, she's you know she's still she's still in the same position, right? And after that, we get Sansa and Theon. Uh, Meeting back up, and I love what you said. You've never been Ramsey before, so you'll allow it. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's it seems a little weird. Like, like their their sudden attachment to each other in this episode. Um, but well, the last time they saw each other, he was defending her from from the Bolton uh, uh, hunting party. Yes. So and granted, like you know, they, they had that rocky relationship um, uh, because you know she she didn't feel he was defending her enough, and you know she was still getting over the fact that that Theon didn't actually like kill her brothers, but killed some random boys instead, and and, and stuff like that, and then. The minute he helps her to escape, you know, and, and things like that, yes, you can, there's some attachment, but, or, or maybe some forgiveness or, or whatever, but, you know, we don't really know how, like, Sansa must have odd, complicated feelings for Theon, and now he's back, and they're, they're the only ones that have been through similar experience of having been through Ramsay together. Well, so well, I, to be I, fair, yeah, like, the, the, them, 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 their, their torture at the hands of Ramsay really did make them closer. But I also feel like with the whole thing John's been doing and what Arya did to her last season, I feel like Theon right now, and with, with how Bran is being a robot and being so detached, I feel like Theon yeah. is the only family she really has right now, which is it's telling because they don't share any blood, but Theon's been more of a brother to her. Than John has been in a while, the way she feels. Yeah. Than Arya, especially after the last season, which came out, which it's just weird because I love how Arya says, "We're going episode one now." Arya says to John, "She's the smartest person I know." Really? Because you're about to kill her last season. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I I understand the whole like because someone asked me you know how how can Sansa be okay with just forgiving Theon just like that after everything he did? I think Peon uh, Peon I think Theon has paid in spades. Um, for what he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they did grow up together. Granted, you know, we, we don't really know very much about Theon and Sansa's relationship growing up. Um, in the book, we, we, the only thing Theon says about it is that he, he kind of hoped that a Ned, that Ned Stark would have married him off to Sansa. Like he kind of thought in the back of his mind that that was going to happen. But of course, you know, it, it doesn't. Like Sansa's gonna get married off to, to Joffrey. But um, you know, that was that was uh, kind of a kind of a weird thing in his in his brain. Now of course, you know, he, he I I don't know if they you know, all of a sudden there's probably shippers like wondering if Theon and Sansa can be together and it's like, uh, I mean I mean in a in a in a gray worm Miss Sandy sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think they're just, you know, they, they, they grew up together and they went through a similar experience together. So I guess it's, you know, it's natural that they would gravitate towards each other. Right. And they have, and as you said, there's no one else to gravitate towards. Before we get to the last couple of scenes, which, I, which is what I really want to talk about as well, uh, you kind of got flack a little bit for calling Gilly fat. Oh, no, I was just making a joke because the actress is clearly pregnant. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the, I mean, it's the actress. That's why I said she's either pregnant or she's been eating. She's been eating Sam's uh, diet. Sam's no, she's clearly <laughs> pregnant in real life. I I mean, she's probably had her kid now. Honestly, but it was, I, I mean, don't. It's very obvious. I don't me. give a flying hell. Like I, I just really, I hate the fact that they even brought Gilly up. You made a fantastic point as well. Like I saw your video. You made a fantastic point. Why the, Why is Gilly even in Winterfell? Why would she even bring her kid here? Like I don't get it. Like especially with winter coming. Like right, like 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 leave them leave them in River Run or something. Not, uh, leave them not River Run, but uh, 
Leave him somewhere, Hill. random inn. Leave him at Horn Hill, but you're right. But don't bring them all the way up. I mean, I, like, that's the thing is, is, did he not have in the back of his head that the White Walkers were chasing after him for a baby that he stole from mm-hmm. them? Like, is he not thinking about that? Like, they spent, they spent, like, a week in the wilderness, like, running from, from Whites and White Walkers. Um from Craster's keep like it, it didn't ever it hasn't occurred to him that like that that they the child is a is a target well i doubt the child's a target not anymore at least because um i don't think we'll ever get to see what the white walkers really do with those kids because there, there's mm. not going to be that that would be really silly to watch a white walker baby like walking around like come on that's that's kind of fucking silly um What's I mean, if it were George R. R. Martin writing the episode, I'd be like, oh, you know what they've done is they've set up the fact that the White Walkers are coming from Bran, and what they're really coming for is Baby Sam. Like that would be that would be a cool setup that you you know you've you you've set up one thing and you're going to do another. But D and D's writing is actually more predictable. They'll set up like oh, you know they're kind of they're coming for Bran and then they'll come for Bran. You know mm-hmm. like. Um, like I was really like, God, when, when we were doing like season seven and they said, okay, we're, we're, we're going to bring this gold to King's Landing from, from, uh, from, from Highgarden. I was like, oh, that means the gold's never going to make it, but no, it made it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like that, that's not how narratives work. If an announced plan doesn't happen, like it never happens in George R. R. Martin's books. If you, if you announce something's going to happen, it's not going to happen. That's how you know they're not so, going by the books anymore. Right. Yeah. And so here they're like, Oh, we're going to, you know, they're going to go for Bran. And I, I do think that the night King's going to go for Bran and they're going to shoot fire on the night King. And then he's going to not be affected by the fire or something. Well, well like, in the, uh, in this? the, in the uh, preview, we do see Theon in the godswood shooting flaming arrows. So, yeah. And I, but I also think that I, I think there's a line in the preview that says the dead's already here. It does sound like the, the, the dead and the crypts are going to come alive. So that was, a, that was one of the major theories that no one will shut the fuck up about. Bro, everybody in the crypts is already dead because... And I think you made a great point. Like, isn't there like a stone slab on top of that? Like, There should be a stone slab, but, you know, you know, cons- it's already kind of weird that skeletons are able to, like, have strength when you need a muscle to, to actually, like, propel a, a bone someplace. That's, that's but, what I'm talking about. Like, even, even the undead that we did... Mm, didn't Jojen get killed by a skeleton? Yes. Well, he, yeah. He well, he got killed by like um, a poke, an exploding pokeball. What? Oh no, no. Yeah, no. That that is what ultimately killed him. But before that, he was getting stabbed by yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. He was getting he was getting attacked, and yeah, by, by the by the um, by the skeleton. See, it makes sense because and and I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in here with some Lord of the Rings. In Lord of the Rings, at the very last movie, when Gandalf is at Gondor, and I hmm. think it was. Pippin, who who wonders, why is the sky getting so dark as the army of of of, of uh, Sauron marches forward? And Gandalf says, well, it's because you know they don't like the the sunlight. It would make sense as to why the Night King needs to wait until winter to make this assault happens, because otherwise, the dead will just kind of melt and like they would rot away. The the, the cold keeps them intact. That would make a lot of sense. Right. But like everybody's saying, like, oh. 
they're the crypts. Everybody's in the crypts is dead because the skeleton's gonna rise. But the stone slab, though, like they're not superhuman. They don't have superhuman strength. Right, but then again, they were able to break out of the ice, you know, outside of the outside of the tree. Mm. They're punching up through through the ice and stuff like is that. Is ice stronger than than stone slabs? N- no, but it's still strong. I mean, you're right that these stone slabs are like, but but can't can't you imagine some like shot of like, you know, the the the, the stone sliding over and I I, I can like imagine sliding. some like like the, they they won't slide over, but what they'll do is like you'll hear like clear rumblings happening in the tombs. I mean, it might also be that, you know, we know that the subterranean tunnels underneath Winterfell, you know, it might be that they've, they've come in from the crypts rather than the dead in the crypts coming mm. alive, you know, that they found, they found a way in. Um, that, I mean, that's certainly possible. That would well. be fucking crazy if literally everybody in the crypts, Gilly, the baby, Varys, Tyrion, like, holy shit, that would be crazy. I mean, we, you know, we see, we see, uh, I guess they just show Arya running, but... But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but you're, you're right. That something, I mean, something's got to happen in those crypts. Right? right. Oh, speaking of which, um, I wanted to get this out of the way. Arya and Gendry. I love what you mm. said about them two getting together. The most, the, the, the most, the, the most insane, strange thing that nobody can really comprehend is two people who are not related to each other getting together. <laughs> yeah. Having, having consensual sex. Yeah. Like I like I don't understand I don't understand like these these comments and weirdness where everyone's like oh my god and I've heard I've heard different justifications they're like oh well she's like it's like my little sister and it's like no it's not she's not your fucking little sister <laughs> um, you're you're not paying attention to anything in the story if you think she's a little sister and then people are like well she looks young and I was like she does no. <sighs> You gotta give him that. She looks you know, like not only not only that, but you watched her grow up. So it's it's that extra layer of. Eh. Mm. Yeah, but this is the, this is the this is the weird thing is I've seen these articles a lot where they're like, like some some clickbait article clickbait article will be like, you know, um, childhood girls who grew up to be like or like you know super hot they show like the girl from boy meets world or whatever mm-hmm. in, in a in a bikini and and you're supposed to be like oh my god so weird it's like on on one hand maybe but on the other hand that's what human beings do <laughs> like human beings every single human being grows up and like becomes sexual like i mean yeah okay there there are these asexual people out there but i'm saying 99% of people grow up and become sexual beings, like like that's what is natural. And be like, oh well, I, I I watched her. Well, get over it, okay? This is what human beings do. Like you could walk down the street and you could see a baby in a carriage, and you know what's gonna happen in freaking twenty years? That baby's gonna be fucking, because that's the nature of humanity. Like like <laughs> like this show's been on for a long time. Maisie Williams is old. Arya is now old. Like they're allowed, they're allowed to fucking have sex, you know. Like now, some people are like, "Well, how much time has gone past in the show?" Well, that you can't use that because nobody knows how much time time has gone past in the show. It's anywhere from one year to forty years. We have no idea how much time has gone past in the show. <laughs> Gilly's baby is still a toddler for some reason, but like you know, but at the same time, people have crossed the continents. 
like 17 times. So it's it, a lot of time has gone by. So I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand why people have a problem with it. That Just, will be, no matter how much you love Game of Thrones, that will be for years to come, years. That will be the one main criticism no one, not even a diehard fan of the show, can defend. Time is awful. They display time in a very awful way. <laughs> they do. They fucking do. Yeah. I mean, I'm. It's just completely, completely inconsistent. Like two characters, like sitting next to each other, mm-hmm. right? But... So, um, and and let's go with the last two scenes. So I really loved when they all sit around. Uh, you know, Tormund, Brienne, Jamie, Tyrion, Podrick, and Ser Davos. I really love like that them just hanging out. Tormund telling the story about the time you know he killed the giant supposedly, and uh, you know Podrick just. Uh, I, I definitely I I mean I thought that the the giant story was was funny I mm-hmm. I did like the way the Tormund delivered it it was I mean I I I laughed thoroughly at the, and I do have to say like um uh, Nikolai Coster whatever um his fucking deadpan just like response to Tormund was really good and i have to say that they they both have really good comic they do um i i i i laughed a lot at that especially like i i mean i grant i know that they they reuse the jokes like tormund gets everybody's nicknames Mm -hmm. wrong you know like oh you're called you're called dog you know to when he says to the hound and stuff you know like it's like you're called king king killer king killer you know it's it's funny it's funny you had a major problem with the way Jamie knighted Brienne, which, yes, yes, let, let's be clear on one thing. I understand that, you know, he may not have said all the whole thing, but it, She's half a it was a very sweet moment. Come on. Like, it, it, when Tormund gets up and he's the first one to clap and the look on his face, and that's the biggest smile Brienne has had on her face since the show began, since her introduction back in season two. Come on. Yes, yes. No, it was, it's a very, very sweet and sentimental mm-hmm. scene. Um uh, you know, it, it represents a lot, especially with, you know, because it's funny that people, you know, talk about the, the Brienne Jamie shipping and it's like that scene probably meant more than if they if they like kissed. Everyone feels this connection between Jamie and Brienne. And so some people are like, well, maybe it's ro- the connection is romance. And so like it would culminate with them making out or fucking. But it's funny. It, it felt a little. It felt more fitting and more culminated with the, you know, with them with him knighting her than it would have with them having sex. Right, and I, I I'm glad um, we got to see that. It was it was a really good moment, and yeah. especially afterwards when Podrick starts to sing. I really like that song. I like the song Jenny of Old Stones coming from Podrick. Like at the end, the ending. Whoever sings the ending theme, that woman. I wasn't a fan of her singing it. I really like Podrick doing it. Now, now they. I think they said in the inside the episode that it was it was very much based on Lord of the Rings. Um, Did they? I, I don't watch the like the stuff. I really don't. But um, yes, in the third movie, um, so we all know that the actor for Ned Stark, Sean Bean, he played Boromir, the guy Boromir's brother, Faramir. Faramir is supposed to go off and take back uh, the the neighboring uh, the the city adjacent to. Minas Tirith and he does this because he wants to I guess impress his father or prove something to his father I forgot it's been a while and as he's rushing forward forward on the horses with his men they're gonna die and Pippin knows this and he sings his song and it's a very sad song 
very sad, and it reminded me a lot of that that song. Yeah, and then Faramir lives for some reason. <laughs> but it is, yes, it is sad as the as the steward sends his son off to die, mm-hmm. and then he sings the sad song. And and, and it's you know it's it very it was it, it's a similar song. Well, it it was, it was even more emotional because as he's singing it, um, it's a very somber song. And you also see that one that one scene in the trailer that we saw where Grey Worm and Missandei are kissing each other, and it really hits home because you know for a fact that after his retirement plan, and you know like the love they have for each other has been building up over the seasons, and that 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 last kiss of theirs, you know something's gonna go down with this character in the last scenes. You know he's gonna die. Yeah. Now the unfortunate the the unfortunate thing is that I mean it, it was beautifully sung song, but. Uh... Unfortunately, they they didn't. Um, the lyrics aren't really very good <laughs> to the song. They're kind of simple. I mean, but, I get, know. but the but the song was never finished. Like it's sung in the books, no, no, but just, but apparently they had to fill in some of the lines. Well, just just the first line is from mm-hmm. the book. Yeah, and then the rest is just kind of. Uh, so supposedly everybody's making the connection that Jenny's song, uh, Jenny of Old Stones, she married a Targaryen named Duncan, and Duncan. Uh, was so in love with her that he gave up his claim to the Iron Throne to be with her. And the next scene after the song is Danny and John in the crypts. Now, do you think there's mm. going to be... Is this a bit of a foreshadowing for, for what John may do? Give up his claim? Because they start to have this conversation about claim. Like, they, yeah. they meant, he brings it up. Like, I'm, I'm Aegon Targaryen. And she's not creeped out by that's the fact that she's had sex with her nephew. She's, she's more... The thing is... I don't think, I don't think aunt, nephew, or uncle, niece, is considered gross in Westeros. Um, in, 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 yeah, in medieval society. Right. Um, no, no, no. So, so genetically speaking, um, uh, you know, the whole uh, aunt, nephew, is a little worse than cousins, mm. but a little better than brother and right. sister. Um, like the amount of genetic material that you're uh, that you're that you share, you know, like your cousin, you share one eighth of their genetic material, um, while you f- you share fifty percent of your gen- genetic material with a sibling, and I think aunt nephew is one quarter, so it's like in between. Right. But uh, certainly in the books, um, there are examples of uncle niece uh, marriage, and mm. so give me give me um, one. I, I, I can't don't recall off the top of my head. Um, I think it's uh, Alice Karstark. Um, she is betrothed, or they want uh, Cregan Karstark wants to steal um, Carhold by marrying mm. her. Isn't she promised to Tormund? No. So what she does is she doesn't want to marry her uncle, uh, and so she she um, asks John for help. So he marries her to. Uh, uh, the Fen. Oh, the Fen, the, the new Magnar. Um, the new right, Magnar. Right, Fen, right, right. Uh, Stir? Or maybe... So, do you think the, the this Jenny song is a foreshadowing for what John is going to do for Danny? Because he is in love with her. He does like her a lot. And he doesn't want to rule. You can tell. He, does, he doesn't really care. It's odd that he becomes so depressed over it. Like, it shouldn't really be a thing, right? Well, to be fair, like he's he has so much on his fucking mind right now. I mean, he 
he's about to go into battle against an enemy he's had for for many years now. It's it's it's, it's the whole basis of him getting you know being stabbed by his brothers at the nice watch. Like he wants to try and save these people from this threat, and like it, 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 this has been a goal of his to to fight back against these things for the longest time, the longest time. Not to mention something he's known his entire life has been a lie, and it's all dropped within the course of twenty four hours. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't understand why everybody's putting the cart before the horse. Like, you know, let's focus on this. Focus on the fact that there's zombies out there before uh, before talking about like the politics of things. That's what I didn't get about Sansa's thing. Like, okay, after we beat the army of the dead and we beat Cersei, what then? Like, oh Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> well, she wants to plan ahead. There was this. There's this one guy who does amazing Game of Thrones art. I wish I could say this fucking guy's name. Let me try real quick. Uh, he messaged me on Twitter, and he thought that um, Bran telling Sam to tell John this whole parentish thing was going to bite them in the ass later because John needs to have a clear head going into this stuff. Uh, it is Ertas Altenaz? Fuck, I, am, I do apologize. He has amazing, amazing... Game of Thrones art. Like, I will link... How, how, how do you spell um, that? Let me link this to you right here. Are you on, are you on Facebook or... Um, Where should I link this to? Facebook or Skype? Well, Facebook's fine. Look at this. this yeah, I'm sure you've seen his art before. His art is fantastic. It's Spanish, though, I believe. Or is it? I actually found that, yeah, yeah. most of the most of the, the fan artists are, are, are not American, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but look at his art, bro. It looks so good. Let's see here. Coming up. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, yeah impressive. Impressive. Okay. Yeah. He has, so that was his idea. His idea was that, um, his idea was that friggin' Sam telling John this before the battle was gonna ruin everything. And the fact that he, John told Danny right before the battle, I mean, is she, is she more or less inclined to help now? Because if she wants to be king of the seven kingdoms, this is also her problem. But is she gonna be more inclined to let John die? I mean, it's such a silly thing. I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think they're fill, they're filling time with like with like conflict where there wasn't really a conflict. Yeah, I don't. You know, or it's one of those situations where you have a conflict and then you have action and then everything's resolved because there was some action. You know, which which they do in movies and stuff. God, I saw the movie Passenger, where. It's just, it's this, you know, there's this brutal conflict in Passenger where I don't think any human being could get over it because the conflict that happens between the two, the two protagonists, Jennifer Lawrence and, and, and Star-Lord are, it's so fundamentally horrible and I don't think anybody could get over it, but then they have an action sequence and then it's like done, it's forgiven. And it just doesn't like, no, like, so I think that, I think that's what they're doing here is they're, they're going to, they, we have this conflict. We don't really know how to solve it. So we're just going to 
have an action sequence and then everybody, everyone would mm-hmm. be over it, you know. Well, what did you think of the whole crib scene? I, I thought it was, it really annoyed the hell out of me. Another part that really annoyed the hell out of me in this episode was Tyrion and Bran. That was a conversation I've kind of been waiting for for the longest time. And then it happened and off then it screen? happens off screen. Everything that's great happens yeah. off screen, of course. And uh, with this yeah. episode, I mean, I felt that this is a conversation it really should have had. And you can tell she's really annoyed with him in the preview. Like, she even says, the dead are already here. Yeah, yeah I'm... <sighs> I don't know. Like, like I was very frustrated about the bad history. Like, you you should know that Rhaegar was not a rapist. Um, like, Viserys should have told you that 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 Rhaegar was not. Well, a Well, you forget that Barrison um, also told her some stories as well. He told her like one story before he before he like decided to wander the streets and get right. Killed. And you well, um, I'm sure that he told her other things off screen. Yeah. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Everything, everything. We sure where that happened off screen. I'm sure. I'm sure it all makes sense off screen. <laughs> um, but, but, but that's the thing. Is like, it's like this. I, I, I guess what I wanted was this. This, like the stories of the series that, that that are so colorful that like that are supposedly the thing that is painting all of Daenerys's motivation, right? You know, um, her entire life is being, you know, raised and instructed by Viserys, um, you know, crafting her her desires. And, and to just have it be, I don't know, just be off. Like, oh, who's that? Huh, that's weird. Like, no, this is like a fundamental story. This is your family. This is your brother. This is like a tale you've heard a million times. You've heard about how you need to retake the Iron Throne a million times. You should have been told the story of Rhaegar a million times. Well, it makes more sense that obviously Viserys is going to sugarcoat everything. Right. He, he doesn't yeah, see his family absolutely. as the bad guys. I'm sure he didn't even see his... Did, is it in, in the books? Is Because he doesn't say anything in the show. In the books, is it known? Does, does he say anything? Is he self-aware that that his father was insane? Uh, no, that's never... The, the Nick... Well, so it's mentioned... Danny mentions that the usurper and his dogs use the nickname Mad mm-hmm. King. But it comes as a fairly big shock that he was actually insane. Like she knew she knew that she knew the nickname. Um because Viserys told her the nickname that that's what the that's what the usurpers and his dogs right. like use. But you know she 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 like it's all sugarcoated but but that's the whole thing is like she's supposed to have the Targaryen perspective and then there's supposed to be a Stark mm-hmm. perspective, right? And then there's supposed to be conflict. So she should at least know that there's two sides to the story, or she should at least have the sugar-coated story, but she shouldn't just have the usurper story. That makes no sense. Like this is supposed to be a bedtime story that she's heard a million times about her wonderful brother, Rhaegar, you know? Well, uh, like I said, I, once you've been conditioned like that and all of a sudden now everything has to change out of the blue, 
I feel I do feel bad for Danny. Like this this season has made me feel bad for her way more than it should, um, because she, you know she's meeting the she's kind of meeting the parents with with John here, and everybody doesn't like her, and the, everybody has this history, and that she's really not privy to. But at the same time, she's been indoctrinated with this whole like take the Iron Throne thing, and now that she has an army and dragons, and it's like it should be within her grasp, but it's not. Then you have the problem of the undead coming. It's like this whole thing. Everybody's under stress, and everybody's just really yeah. kind of just out of their mind right now with the whole situation. I mean, so mm. I would have, I would have loved, and, and granted, this, you know, you know, I'm gonna sound biased, but there's, there's a, there's, there's kind of a, a, a wonderful little hint in the in the book that Danny is becoming like the Ceres, and that she starts using the phrase "wake the dragon" and things mm. like that, or the the dragon does not kneel and things like that. You know, it's very, it's very like with you know, Bilbo saying my precious right. and stuff. Um, it, you know, they, they could have done that because you're right that she's having a tough time. Like, and and I want to feel her. I want to feel her desire for the Iron Throne and how important it is. And, you know, and in that, I you know, I want to hear echoes of Viserys. But, but granted, just because, you know, I like I like Harry Lloyd's Viserys so much that, like, I want to have, like, elements of that back mm-hmm. again. Um you know, so so I would have I would have liked more of that. You know, like what the stories that she told, rather than just you know the the visions that brands. Well, saw. to be fair, the show never really into more detail about what the series told her and what those stories really were. They never really went into much yeah. detail after the series died. His memory from the show died with it, and he was seldom brought up. Yeah, and it's too bad. Because he, he, he is brought up all the time mm-hmm. in the books. Like, it, it's almost like any time she needs to, like, you know, how did she know that? And then she'll, she'll be like, well, her brother mm-hmm. Viserys used to tell her about... I mean, it even gets a part where, like, he used to tell her siege tactics. Right. Like, she knows all about battles and stuff. You're like, really? Like, he would sit here and, like, tell, like, a nine-year-old girl, like, the thing about siege is <laughs> you, you should build trebuchets. And, and this is and another trebuchet. mistake with Daenerys' character is that they never really left the impact of her brother on her going forward into season two and beyond. They never really did that. Yeah. There's never a moment beyond season two where she goes, well, I know this because my brother used to tell me. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the thing is when when you're, and that's the funny thing because like okay the Stark children are raised by Ned and it's like how often is Ned evoked, mm-hmm. you know and and even Catelyn's evoked some not as much as Ned because everybody worships mm-hmm. Ned, um, but even Catelyn's brought up a little bit, but like, you know, Danny was raised by her brother like, her brother should be mentioned often. You know? Often, right. Yeah. So overall, like I said, episode eight, I I really just liked the last third of it. I really did. It for me to me, it warrants an eight. I I thought the performances were great. All the right beats were hit for me. Jamie was awesome this episode. I love Podrick. Um, it did feel the first once again. The first third did feel like it was clipped away from episode one, but at the same time, you know, I I really liked how the episode ended. I don't know. I just thought. This was this being the last of the reunions we're gonna have for a long time. It was a it was an episode that wasn't really bad. I really liked mm. it, especially mm. the, the ending is really what kills me inside. Like the ending is really what got to me. That really made me a little tear up just a tad because that fucking song as he's singing it and you know, 
it, it just really reminds me a lot of the like Pippin song. It's just super somber and just super sad. I'm surprised you give it a friggin' six. I'm surprised you give it a six, <laughs> whereas you would give episode one an eight. Nah, in retrospect, I don't really think I don't really want to give episode one an eight. I don't. I see. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like. Do these episodes hold up on a rewatch? Uh, I mean, I need so it's not like I haven't watched the first couple episodes a, f- a few times through, but it's like it's a lot of stopping and starting because it's like taking screen stills and rewatching a scene mm-hmm. and things like that. It's like the f- I haven't watched it like just letting it go. That's wait, 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 dude, don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't fucking like watch it normally and then like go back and take some stills. Well, well, that's what I do. So I watch it the first time mm-hmm. normally. And then and then I go back and I, I start getting my I start getting my screenshots and I start like watching scenes like a little closer. But I don't I you know I haven't like watched it like watching it for the flow again to see what it's like on a second right. viewing. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Preston, let's wrap this up. We've gone in for an hour. Right. Sorry, I wasted. <laughs> Oh, no worries. Guys, no worries, thank man. you so much for watching. As always, leave your thoughts and questions down below. I'm curious to know what you guys thought of the episode. Uh, Preston, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. We will be back again next week for the Battle of Winterfell over on Preston's channel with the next episode of the Pro- Thrones podcast. Uh, once again, SoundCloud iTunes. Leave us a review on those platforms. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Have a good one.